0: We have been declaring this for weeks now, that God is here. God is here. God is here. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I want to tell you it's my great joy to have all of the team here, and we obviously welcome Tony and Eric and Brother Joe and Brother Jerry. Welcome all here tonight. But we are here tonight to hear from the apostle of God to us in this ministry. And we are grateful that God has brought him here safely. That he is here in strength and joy. Hallelujah. And we welcome him to the pulpit. And Brother Jerry, it's your pulpit. Hallelujah. Give him a hand, people.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah. <Hello. Chat> <laughs> Thank you. Hey guys. Good evening, everybody. Are you doing well tonight? Well, good. Praise God. The praise and worship has been awesome. You just keep getting more and more anointed every time I come. Hallelujah. You can pay me later, okay? And Sharon, give me a hug, girl. (laughs) It's good to be home. It's been a while. I'm glad y'all got over All the attacks of the enemy. And uh, back in church again, praise God. Amen. No place like being around the household of faith. Can you say amen? All right, smile real big at somebody and tell them you're in the right place tonight. And you can be seated. Well I'm sure you've been told or at least many of you that uh, while f- flying over here we got as far as Nairobi and just was making a fuel stop we weren't gonna be there very long just to fill up with fuel and uh, we had some issues and wound up having to leave the plane in Nairobi and uh, but I have a, a gentleman back home his name is John McCurdy. He's part of our team. He doesn't work full-time for me, but he's on contract with me. And what this man doesn't know about Falcon aircraft they haven't invented yet. <laughs> and so we were able to touch base with John. And we, we, the pilots just tell him what's going on, and he knows what to do, you know. And he ordered parts all the way. From, he's talking on the phone in Fort Worth and ordering parts in Cape Town. He knows people. All over the world, he knows people. And uh, so anyway, the the uh, Falcon is back in Nairobi, and they're going to be working on it and get it down here just as soon as they possibly can. But uh, my goodness, I'm telling you, it was such a joy when I left Fort Worth and, and flying for the first time in my own international aircraft that I believed God for for 20 years. And it's paid for. Hallelujah. Amen. Paid cash for it, glory to God. And boy, did it do a job up until we got to Nairobi. We were flying 676 miles an hour, passing other commercial airlines and waving at them as we went by them, praise God. We were 42,000 feet doing 676 miles an hour and uh, arrived at our first destination Uh, An hour early, we just, I mean, we were just smoking across there, praise God. And uh, I can hardly sit down. I mean, I I just walked the cabin and praise God, I can't sit down. It's just a dream come true. The goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've been telling many of you here for years now that one day I'm going to fly my Falcon 50 over here. Well, we almost got here and we're not done yet, praise God. And I believe God's working behind the scenes. And he already is. We've already got good reports of some things that are taking place just since we, uh, we, we flew on Kenyan Airlines to get here for the service tonight. But just since we landed, we've gotten good reports. And uh, so I believe God has everything under control. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Now, I was thinking as we were flying over today, Eric and I were flying over today, the story of when Jesus entered his public ministry. And of course, John the Baptist was fully aware of who Jesus was. And he talked about how that there was one coming mightier than he. And he'll baptize you with, with fire and the Holy Ghost and so forth. And you remember, uh, Herod had John murdered. And when Jesus got the news of it, he was deeply touched by it. It impacted him because, like I said, he, he was one of the few men, John the Baptist, one of the few people on planet Earth who really knew who Jesus was and what his mission was. Not only that, but they're cousins, okay? And uh, so that'd be like if, you know, Joe and I are cousins and if, if like, Joe was in the hospital back during COVID and then there was, there was a few moments there where we wouldn't... Sh- sure that he was going to pull through. Well it touched me, but I couldn't get in the hospital to see him because uh, everything was restricted. And and Joe and I, I'm uh, about 12 days older than Joe, but we've been close all of our lives. And uh, of course Joe's been working in our ministry for over 40 years now. So if I got news like I did about Joe being in the hospital and we don't know if he's in the natural, if he's going to recover. Well, I was touched by that, so I can understand Jesus being touched when he heard that John the Baptist had been killed. And the Bible says he went to a, a desert place or a deserted place to pray, obviously. It was on his mind. He wanted to be alone. And so he went to a place and just to pray and, and visit with his father about this incident. But the people wouldn't let him alone. Masses came out looking for him. And in the midst of that tragedy, he got up and walked out there where they were and healed all their sick and cast out everyone that had a devil or devils, cast them all out. And I remember years ago the Lord telling me, this is how you retaliate against the devil. Do something for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Do something to let the devil know you're not winning here. Okay, you're not gonna get any. You're not gonna get any uh, credit for messing with my airplane. So I'm impressed of the Lord to do what Jesus did. Just pray for the sick before we do anything else. Hallelujah. I think that's a good way to retaliate. Just get everybody healed, praise God, and show the devil, you're wasting your time messing with us. Now, that's Texas talk, messing with us, okay? But uh, you know what I mean. So, if you need healing in your body, if you, let me put it this way. If you've come under attack in the last 24 hours in your body, stand up. All right, you guys come up here first. I'm just going to follow Jesus' pattern. When Satan attempts to rob you of your joy, just retaliate. Do something to, to uh, affect his kingdom. Hallelujah. Well, we must have heard from the Lord. Look how many are coming up here. And we're talking about just in the last, come under attack in just the last 24 hours or so. Well, I got good news for you. You're not going to leave here the way you came. Let's all lift our hands and begin to praise God and thank Him for that. Hallelujah. Now, y'all want me to jump off of here? I can do it. I'm 76, but I hadn't lost anything. do Hallelujah. All right. Thank you. Stretch your hands out toward them. And let's all say this out loud. In the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Satan, you will not get the upper hand. Satan, the upper we hand. are retaliating against you right now. We We're, just We're just following Jesus' example. And we believe that we will have his results. And we that we have his results. So right now, in the name of Jesus... I trust on the uh, I look to and trust the anointing of God that is on me right now that as I lay hands upon these people, that anointing will leave my hands and enter into their body and cause an effect or a cure. Bring total restoration, a miracle if needed. And in, the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, God will get credit. God and, will get will credit. Get and God will get glory. And Satan, we say to you, and Satan, we say to you defeat, again. defeat again. You're a defeated foe. A defeated Always, foe. Have Always, Always have been. Will be. Always will be. And I think, well, I'll just laugh at him right now. Praise God. <laughs> <Amen>. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, receive, glory to God, receive, come on, help me now, don't just watch, receive your healing now in the name of Jesus, the anointing flowing into your body is designed by God to to destroy the yoke of bondage. Sickness is bondage. Sickness is of the devil and it doesn't belong in your body. Your body's been healed by the stripes of Jesus. So body, you get in line and Satan, you take your sickness somewhere else, it's not welcome here. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your anointing flowing into his body right now from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet and we give you praise, Heavenly Father. That he walks out of here tonight totally different than the way he came in, healed, whole, full of joy, hallelujah, amen, in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. When I lay hands on you, say, I receive it. In Jesus' name, the healing power of God flow into your body right now to make you whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you sense that it's happening right now, go ahead and rejoice. You're not going to bother me at all. In fact, we're going to rejoice with you. Just like this lady right here. Hallelujah. Come on, help her rejoice. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, healing power flowing into your body right now. There it is. There it is. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha on the devil. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. There it is. I receive it. You got it. You got it. You received it and you got it. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. In the name of Jesus, may his healing power flow into your body right now. In Jesus' name. And you, sir. Oh, Hallelujah. Just a heavy concentration of it. Glory to God. Things in your body, not only that have been affected, have been affected in the last twenty-four hours, but some things that you've been battling with for quite some time that is related to what you've been going through in the last twenty-four hours. He's healing that, and. You're receiving from this moment, not only healing in your body, but a new outlook on life. Sickness free. That'll help you get a new outlook on life. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, what are you smiling about? You ready? Receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God for his healing power in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Can you tell the difference? You can. Well, let's lift those hands and praise God. Come on, everybody help him. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, be made whole by the power of the living God. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. You feel that? I felt it leave my hands and go into your body. Hallelujah. In the name. uh, There it is again. That's because you're standing close to her. Hallelujah. There it is. In the name of Jesus. Yes, ma'am. That's it. I'd recognize it anywhere. Hallelujah. My goodness. It's strong. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, receive. Well, you've already got it before I touched you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, go ahead and just get happy about it. It, Well, you got it too. In Jesus' name. Yes, ma'am. You have received it. Glory to God. Come on, let's all give the Lord a good shout of praise. In the name of Jesus, be made whole from this moment. You're already receiving it in Jesus' name. That's the anointing that's flowing into your body right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. That's it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, you're very familiar with his healing power. you've, You've had it happen many times in the past. And he's doing it again. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead and rejoice. You're receiving it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Brother Hagin used to say that he could feel when people were resisting it. He'd say, the anointing left me, but you resisted and it came back. Now, that's not what I'm saying to you, but sometimes people resist it, even though they want to receive it, but they resist it. So don't resist it. Okay? Just say, I'll receive it. Say, I'll receive it. Well, take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. Praise you, Father, for your goodness and your love for your children. Healing is a demonstration of the love of God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for healing my brother. And may he never struggle with us again. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. How are you, sir? Well, you just shaking hands with me. You're already getting better. Yeah? Yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord, for that anointing just just saturating his body. Hallelujah. You're still in the healing business today, and we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Did the whole church get up now? Just about? Okay. Take it. Take it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If I just offered you a large sum of wren and you said, I receive it, then how would you respond next? Huh? Yeah? Well, why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> healing power flowing into your body. (laughs) That's it. That's it. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your healing power. Glory to God. What's your name? Josh? Yeah, that's a good name. Mom and Dad picked a good name for you. You're receiving healing, but you're also receiving anointing to bring healing to others. It may not, it may not happen right away, but it will. I see you standing in front of people praying and laying hands on them, just like I'm doing. Has the Lord already been talking to you about that? Yeah. Well, get ready. There's, there's, there's no age qualification. Amen. Thank you, Father, for healing this young man and causing the healing anointing to be in his hands. That he might be a blessing to humanity. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me warn you. Don't get prideful with it. Okay? It's nothing to show off about. It's just a gift from God. And it's really not for you, it's for other people, okay? Stay humble. Amen. Praise God. All right. How are you, sir? You're very well. Well, you're going to be very well better. In the name of Jesus, healing anointing flow into your body from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it, young man. God's healing power. He's no respecter of persons. What he'd do for one, he'd do for all. In the name of Jesus. There it is. That's it. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. My goodness. Thank you, Father, for your anointing on this precious man. In Jesus' name, healing power. Flowing into your body, yes, sir. You receive it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah! Sometimes the reaction is joy. Sometimes it's tears. But nevertheless, you're receiving in the name of Jesus. Yes. Well, take it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, receive it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's all lift our hands and give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, healing power flow into your body right now. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. I don't know who hurt you. But he's not only healing you of physical problems, he's healing healing you of Mental and emotional problems as well. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for that healing power. Lord, may your anointing flow into this little man. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for normality in him. Yes, amen. In the name of Jesus, grow up normal in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. How are you, sir? Good. Father, in the name of Jesus, may your healing power flow and make him whole. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's yours because of who you are, a child of God. No other requirements, just the fact that you're a child of God. And himself bore your sickness and carried your disease. Sickness does not belong in your body. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed protecting your health. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let's give the Lord another good shout of praise. Are you ready? Give me hands. In Jesus' name. Have I seen you before when I've here in the past? Yeah, that's what I thought. You're the laughing girl. <laughs> You've been laughing ever since I left.
2: <laughs>
1: you gonna laugh some more? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah! In Jesus name, Lord, cause her to live in complete and total health. How are you, sir? What's your name? All right. Jesus, may your healing power flow into his body right now. Lord, by healing this young man, it will mark him for the rest of his life, knowing that he can always depend on you for anything he needs. And I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at, look at that person right behind you. Turn around look at him and say, I'm a marked man. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Everybody stand again, okay? Praise God. Well, I'm glad we got that done. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's, it's worth the wait, wasn't it? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just gave the devil a black eye. Yes. Glory to God. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voices. Give the Lord your best shout tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. Amen. All right, you can be seated. On the way over here on the on the flight, uh, I wasn't really sure if I would just preach Jesus' weep and dismiss you. Because I was tired. You know, short sermon, Jesus will. Come on, help me. A little humor here. Help me. And, uh, and then dismiss you and come back tomorrow night. <laughs> but no, I, I, on, the, on the flight, I uh, received some thanks from the Lord that I want to share with you tonight. Lay a foundation for the rest of the week. Okay? So open your Bibles, first of all, if you will, to uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one. And by the way, I got a text today from Joe. Told me that he and Tony have already eaten all the baby kim clip, <laughs> and I will be casting line devils out of them before their service is <laughs> over. That that's that's a sin. To, eat all the baby king clip before I get here. (laughs) Alright, Ephesians chapter 1. And let's begin reading in verse 16. The apostle Paul praying for believers, body of Christ, you and I. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and and yes, revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. I want to read this to you from the message translation. It says that your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do and to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. I love that phrase, this glorious way of life. I live a glorious life. Does anybody else live a glorious life, a glorious way of life? A glorious way of life. Keep that in mind. Immensity means the grandness, or the vastness, or the enormous, enormous trying to say it, the enormity of it. This life that He's provided for us—how vast it is, far beyond what most Christians think. You know, when I first came to the Lord back in 1969, it wasn't sinners who were keeping me from finding out the kind of life that God wanted me to live, it was Christians. And they had all kinds of squirrely ideas. You know, I I grew up, uh, my dad raced automobiles, I, I grew up on racetracks. Uh, I, I never owned anything slow. My dad saw to it. Uh, I like fast cars. I like fast motorcycles. I, if it was fast, I liked it. I was into speed. And I'm not talking drugs. I don't know anything about speed, drugs. You got to ask Jesse Duplantis about that. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but I, I was in horse power is what I'm talking about, okay? And uh And I owned an automotive business, and I I restored classic cars. I built hot rods, and my dad and I built race cars, and that was my life. That's what I loved. That's what I enjoyed. That was my life. And uh, I started driving Corvettes, Chevrolet Corvettes, when I was 16 years old. My first Corvette was a 58 model. It was America's sports car. It was the only... Uh, American sports car at that time. They started building them in 1953. And General Motors uh, trained my father to become a Corvette specialist. And so when they came out in 53, they sent one home to my dad, with my dad. And his job was to learn how to repair it and, and work on it in his sleep. And he became a Corvette specialist. So the, the I came home from school as a young boy. And this 53 Corvette was in my dad's garage. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And when dad came home, I said, dad, whose car is that? He said, well, they sent it home with me. And my job is, and, and, and the thing about it, uh, Corvettes were made out of fiberglass. And not many, uh, we call them uh, body men, I think you call them maybe panel beaters. Uh, not many panel beaters knew how to work fiberglass in those days. So my dad was trained on how to work fiberglass, and uh, and that and they still are built out of fiberglass to this day. So if you wrecked one, it didn't it didn't dent it, it splintered it, and fiberglass pieces went everywhere. Now today, if you wreck a Corvette, you can just go buy a front clip, whole clip, and just put it on there and move on. But back then, uh, if you wrecked the front end of a Corvette, you went and picked up all the pieces and you put it together like a jigsaw puzzle and, 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 and use fiberglass to, to, to harden it and, and keep it together and so forth. Well, my dad was a specialist at that. So by the time the 54 Corvette came out, the sales of the 53 were so weak, people, many, uh, they didn't sell very many. So they were gonna give it one more year and if they didn't sell more of them in 54, they were going to discontinue the program, get rid of the Corvette. And so nothing changed. the same body style, same engine, same colors, exactly the same. And, and I have a 54 today. And, uh, and they didn't change. And one of the reasons that the program was saved is the, the man who is today referred to as the father of Corvettes, he hid one in a warehouse in Detroit, Michigan, and 55 was the first year that Chevrolet came out with a V8 engine and gave it more horsepower. And so he hit a 54 in a warehouse and took the V8 engine and put in it and took it to the New York World's Fair and couldn't sell. He sold them as quick as they could build them, and he saved the Corvette program. Now, this is interesting to me whether it is to you or not, okay? But anyway. and, and I fell in love with Corvettes, and so I told my dad when that, I saw that first one that he had, uh, Dad, as soon as I get big enough, this is what I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive these for the rest of my life. And uh, I got my first one when I was 16, and it was wrecked, a 58 model. I, I bought it wrecked, but I knew, I knew somebody who could repair it, okay? <laughs> so I hauled it back home. My dad said, "Son, what are you going to do with that?" I said, "You're going to rebuild it. That's what we're going to do with that," and he did. So, I, my first Corvette was a '58 model, and so uh, when I opened my business, I had I had a '67 Corvette, and it was fast. That was the what they called in America the muscle car era, where where all the dealer, all the uh, main uh, car builders. Ford uh, Chevrolet, you know all of them were building cars that you could buy right off the sh- uh, out of the showroom, take them straight to the drag uh, races. and uh, the first one that came out was a was a 64 Pontiac GTO and that that began the muscle car era okay By this time my dad's working for Pontiac and and the GTO had just started the muscle car era, okay? So anyway, I I had a a 67 Corvette that had the biggest engine that they made in 67. They called it a big block, 427, 437, 435 horsepower with three two-barrel carburetors. Four speed, close ratio, four speed, and I raced everything in sight. (laughs) Nobody beat me to the next block. So that's what I was driving when I came to the Lord in 69. okay? So immediately, Christians, now well-meaning Christians told me, you can't be a Christian and drive a car like that. <laughs> Christians don't drive cars like that. And especially preachers. you're a poor, humble preacher now. You can't have a car like that. Well, I wanted to please God, and they've been in this longer than I have. I mean, I've I've been in it a month now, born again a month, and they're telling me all the thou shalt nots. Anybody ever heard the thou shalt nots? It seemed like it took forever for them to give me a thou shalt do. Everything I heard was thou shalt not. You can't have it. God will not like you if you have it. So I sold my Corvette. And then at the same time, I had, I had uh, two 36 Ford Coupes, one I had restored to original condition, the other I'd made a street rod out of it, put a big V8 in it and, and so forth. And then I had a 39 Chevrolet pickup that I'd restored to original. And they told me I couldn't have that. So I got rid of all that, wind up driving a dog car that you had to believe God for it to start, and believe God for it to stop. <laughs> engine was shot and so were the brakes, you know. But I'm being a poor, humble preacher. Just like they told me. Nobody told me anything about this glorious way of life. I had to find that out for myself. But then about the time I'm learning this, Kenneth Copeland came into my life and, and he, he preached on the covenant and what that covenant entitles us to. And then I was introduced to the ministry of Kenneth Hagin through Brother Copeland. And Brother Copeland, uh, Brother Hagin talked about what we're redeemed from and what we're redeemed into. And it was good. You know, I thought, where have these preachers been? And thank God I, I heard them when I was only about six months old in the Lord. And it, it totally demolished all of that religious tradition that people were, were putting on me. I thought, I can have a nice car and be a Christian. I can even have a nice car and be a preacher. In fact, I can have one paid for. And I didn't know any preacher that had paid for cars back then. You know? I remember Joe and I had an uncle. (laughs) He was very religious. Now, we loved him. I mean, I loved Uncle Jack. He he, He was a... one of my heroes as a kid, you know, I just loved the guy. And and when I'd already been in the ministry and the Lord blessed me with a 76 Corvette, a brand new 76 Corvette. And Brother Hagan had asked me to come and teach at Raymond, And I just bought that Corvette. So I decided, well, I'm going to drive it to Raymond. And then after I got finished at Tulsa at rama Joe wasn't working for me then, but he's living in Henrietta, Oklahoma, a town not too far from Tulsa. And so I decided I was going to go by and see Joe. Okay? Then I left there and I went by to see my Uncle Jack. Now, my Uncle Jack, he was a deacon in his religious church. You know, he did all the, you know, I think he prayed like this. You know. couldn't say God is God, you know, real religious. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. And his wife, my Aunt Blanche, she was a sweetheart. Everybody loved Aunt Blanche. And when I pulled up in front of their house, and I had not been there in a long time, and they had never heard me preach. They had heard I'd I'd gone into the ministry. And uh, uh, when I pulled up in front of their house, Aunt Blanche came outside. She'd come running to me. And she called me Junior. Oh, Junior, it's so good to see you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you're doing and you're, you're serving God. And Uncle Jack came out and he looked at that Corvette and went back in the house, wouldn't even talk to me. Wouldn't even come outside and talk to me. I said, Aunt Blanche, what's the matter with Uncle Jack? She said, oh, honey, you know him. He don't like the car you're He don't think a preacher ought to drive a car like Now, he had a brand-new Lincoln Town Car. It's okay for the deacon to have a nice car, but not the preacher. And the man wouldn't even talk to me. Wouldn't even come out and shake hands with me. Amen. Now, there are a lot of Christians like that. I remember uh, years, a few years later, I, I got a 77 Corvette. Here, here's a scripture I stood on for my cars. You want to hear it? Come back tomorrow night. No. I read in the Bible where Jesus wanted a donkey to ride into Jerusalem, and he specifically said one that no man rode, remember that? I was in Miami, Florida preaching, and I'm reading that story, and it just came out of me. Jesus had a donkey that no man rode, and Jerry has a Corvette no man drove. That's how I got my, my new Corvette, paid for, praise God. So every year when I, when I got ready to get it, or every two or three years when I got ready to get a new one, I'd say, Jesus had a donkey no man ever rode, and Jerry's got a new Corvette no man ever drove. I've been doing that all these years. Amen. But I remember I got a 77 Corvette, and I drove it up to Arkansas to a little church in the woods. I mean, it's a little tiny church. I pulled up in front of that church. All the young people, they 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 were outside, and I said, uh, "Can you tell me where I can find Pastor So and So?" They said, "Yeah." They said, "Who are you?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm speaking here tonight. You're the preacher? Wow! You're the coolest preacher we ever seen. Can we come and look inside your Corvette?" I said, "Sure." I said, "Anybody in here old enough to drive one?" "Yeah, I am." You got a license? Yeah. I said, drive it around. Drive it around. Oh, they thought I was the coolest thing in the world. The preacher is driving a Corvette. When the pastor come out, he wouldn't let me in his church. He wouldn't let me in his church because he didn't like what I was driving. Now, if I'd have pulled up in a 49 Ford, smoking, burning oil, transmission slipping door's falling off, and the windshield broke. Come on in, brother, we've been waiting on you. Amen. <laughs> Does that sound like a glorious way of living to you? No, it doesn't. And you'd be surprised at the number of Christians who still have that kind of thinking. Amen. I, don't, I really, very seldom, rarely, have any criticism from sinners? My criticism comes from Christians. <laughs> Amen? There's a, we, we've lived, John and Sharon have been there, we, we've lived in the country, okay? Uh, I'm a country boy. I was born on a farm in Mississippi, and I like my space. And so we lived out in the country on the south side of Fort Worth. Nobody out there but us. Our closest neighbors, when we First built out there, they were five miles away. So I'm in my element, i got horses, I'm raising cattle, I'm, 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 I'm doing the way I was raised on a farm in Mississippi. And uh, then all of a sudden, Fort Worth starts growing that way, and we got houses everywhere out there now. They built 3,000 houses in, in the area where I used to be all by myself, 3,000 new houses. And now I got neighbors, (laughs) okay? And now they see me drive my Corvette out of my gate, okay? Now there's one old boy. He's got this old beat-up truck. And he might see me out there cleaning my Corvette or waxing it or something because I still like to do those kind of things. And I'll be out there in the front doing something to my Corvette. And he comes by and he rolls his window down. Hey, preacher, did you steal the offerings to get that? <laughs> then he rolls the window up and drives off real fast so I can't respond. So I've been waiting on him. <laughs> and so he drove drive by one day and he, I had the Corvette out there but he didn't see me so he could say that. And I had hiding behind a tree, I saw him coming. And when he pulled up in front of my gate and he rolled his window down to shout at me, I said, no, sir, it's called hard work and faith. Try it. You'll like it. I've never seen him again. I'm all for glorious living. I said, I'm all for glorious living. Anybody in for glorious living? I want more people with my lifestyle Because they want to know, how are you doing this? Where are you getting all this? And I'll tell them, it's the God I serve. It's his blessing on my life. It's his favor on my life. And when I tell them that, nobody's ever turned me down when I said, would you like to know him? Well, yeah. That's one of the ways that God attracts people is by blessing your life. Now, we're not to show out with it. We're not to be, you know, high-minded with it. You ask ask these guys that, that know me well. I've given away more cars. I've given away more motorcycles. I've given away airplanes. I made this rule in my life that anything God blesses me with and he tells me to give it, it's gone before dark. I will not allow anything to possess me. I possess things. Things don't possess me. Okay. I, I've gone into my, my shop. I have, a, I have a museum of classic cars. I've gone into my shop and say, Lord, none of this means anything to me other than the fact that you blessed me with it. It's a testimony to your faithfulness and a testimony to my, my commitment to serve you with all my heart. I said, if you want me to give this away, you just tell me who to give it to and the place will be cleaned out before dark. And I've done it. I've given everything away my wife said Jerry Savelle and when she's serious it's not Jerry Jerry Savelle <clears throat> That means she's about to get on to me you see this dimple in my chin I was born with it but it wasn't as deep until I married Carolyn <laughs> she grabbed me right here Are you listening to me Jerry Savelle <laughs> so she said Jerry Savelle why did you give all those cars and motorcycles away I said, I just wanted to show God that uh, he's still number one in my life. She said, he knows that. You don't have to give them away because every time you give them away, they come back to you in fleets. (laughs) And they do. (laughs) Have to build a bigger garage. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But, you know, if you ask people that know me well, hey, I'm all for having the best to represent God first class, but I'm not high-minded with it. Uh, one, one man told me, a, a very wealthy businessman, he says, it was this way, you wear your prosperity well. He said, you can eat at McDonald's one night, and you can eat at the finest steakhouse in Fort Worth, Texas the next night. I said, yeah, don't bother me, I like McDonald's french fries. <laughs> But I don't want to eat them every night. I want to go to the steakhouse sometime, you know. So God has already prearranged what he refers to, what the Apostle, Apostle Paul refers to as this glorious way of living. Say it with me. This glorious way of living. And he is in favor of you learning how to live that way.
2: Amen. Yes, he is. Amen. 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 Don't ever let
1: anybody convince you, That God's mad at you or God doesn't love you or God's offended at you because you're blessed or you're prosperous. No, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, remember this. This is all he asks. Remember this. It's God who giveth thee the power to get wealth. He don't care if it takes every bank in South Africa to hold all your money just as long as you say to other people, I'm blessed. With this, because of the God I serve. Remember the Lord thy God. Amen. 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 So, glorious way of living. I love that phrase. Glorious way of living. So, the message translation went on to say this, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of living. Once again, immensity means the grandness of it, the vastness of it the enormity of it, you could say the bigness of it, amen, the bigness of this life that God has provided for us. It's far greater than what most Christians think and far greater than perhaps most of us in this room think. If you can think it, it's bigger than that. Because Paul said, if you can think it, God's able to do it. And the more you hang around with God, the bigger you think. That's right. Amen? That's
2: right.
1: Now, Ephesians chapter 2, go there with me. Ephesians chapter 2. and Let's begin in verse 1. And you, us, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of error, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, the message translation says it this way. You let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. Isn't that something? We we seem to allow the world to determine for us how we should live as Christians. And they don't know the first thing about living. Not real life. Not the kind of life that God wants us to live. But he said, in times past, but times haven't passed for some Christians, they still think the same way they did before they got born again. And he said, in times past, you let the world, which doesn't know anything about living, uh, tell you how to live. I don't allow people to do that. If they don't like the way I live, um, I'm not changing. Amen. Amen. Amen? I mean, sometimes, you know, Christians can be cruel. We, we've had people, Carol and I are givers. We live to give. Yes, yes. We love giving. Amen. We don't have debt. Our homes are paid for. Our cars are paid for. Everything we have is paid for. I don't have debt. Okay? My ministry is debt free. So our biggest outgo from our salaries is our giving. Amen. 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 That's what we do. That's what we do. Amen. And, And then people... Accuse you of being um, what's the word I'm looking for? Worldly or material-minded. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You're material-minded, and we may have just given somebody. Well, like my wife, I never know what I never know what she's going to give give away when I when I'm gone. Seriously, I come back home one time. I wanted to go to bed, and we had no furniture in our bedroom. I said, Carolyn, where's our furniture? Well, I saw somebody that was in need, and I told them to come get it, and I gave it all to them. Okay. Well, what are we building for next, you know? And we Carolyn had just that same week when this person said, all, all you people are in this church is your... Uh, materialistic, material minded. And Carolyn had just furnished a house and paid one year's rent for people that didn't have the money and had six kids and she rented a house, furnished it, totally furnished it and we're material minded. People don't understand. If I was material minded, then I wouldn't give anything away
2: yeah. 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 amen yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not material-minded but I do like material things
2: yeah.
1: amen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wear some ragged clothes just because some preacher or some Christian thinks I shouldn't have a nice suit That's right. yeah. they don't dictate my life no. No, this dictates my life yeah. That's right. yeah. amen, amen? Does dictate your life? The Bible says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The psalmist said uh, uh, that we ought to give God a shout because he, he it brings pleasure to him in the prosperity of his servants. First time I read that, uh, shortly after I learned that those Christians were lying to me about how I was supposed to live, I read that scripture in Psalm. It said he gets pleasure out of the prosperity of his servants. I lifted my hand. and I said, I promise you, I will never rob you of any pleasure anymore. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Now, when you allow the world to tell you how to live, then you certainly are not going to live a glorious lifestyle. You come down to their level. That's why Paul said it's necessary as Christians that we renew our minds with the Word of God. That's how you renew your minds. Most people are not born with all this great insight revelation that we have today. I certainly wasn't, and you weren't either. I had to reprogram my thinking, reprogram my mind, reprogram my heart with the Word of God. Okay? Okay. So Paul says that we are to renew our mind. Don't be be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the message translation says it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your, your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So don't let the world around you uh, control and dictate the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you live. Yeah. That's what renewing the mind is for. That's what that process of renewing the mind is for. Is to give you a different outlook than the outlook you had when you were in times past. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I don't. I don't live today like that. Jerry Savelle lived pre. 1969, that man's dead and gone, and that lifestyle went with him. I'm living a glorious life. Hallelujah. And I give God all the praise for it. I'm living a glorious life. Amen. Paul says in the King James Version that when you begin this process called the renewing of your mind, eventually you will know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So what would be the perfect will of God? Well, we read it in Ephesians chapter 1, that he's already prearranged this glorious life. That's the perfect will of God for you, is to live a glorious life. Now, if you can't say your life is glorious tonight, then you you need to get busy. You know, I can't stay here with you. Go home with you, jump out of the closet, and help renew your mind every night. You're going to have to do some things on your own. Take the initiative. You know, I didn't I didn't have somebody teaching me every day, but I got desperate for a better way of living. And I, I realized that that better way of living is in this book. And if I stay in this book, I'm going to discover what it is and how to do it, and I'm going to live it, praise God. Amen. We didn't have social media back in those days. We didn't have all this Christian television we have today back in those days. When I came to the Lord in 1969, there were two preachers on television, Rex Humbard and Oral Roberts. They were pioneers of Christian television, and they only came on once a week. Now, you can get Christian teaching day in, day out, 24 hours a day on your telephone, yeah. and it'll fit in your shirt pocket. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have that back then. Don't tell me, well, I just don't know what to do. You no, know, what you need to tell me is, I'm lazy. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want somebody to do it for me. No, you know, it's not going to work that way you got to take the initiative. If you're desperate for a better life, desperate people do desperate things. Amen? They take charge. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I mean Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says in verse 10, listen to this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained in us that we should walk in them. Now, the Amplified Version says it this way. Taking paths, which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, listen to this, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, if you want to know how God wants you to live, God's perfect will for you, you you can describe it in these words, glorious living and the good life. Glorious living and the good life. Anybody in here living the good life? Hallelujah. Has anybody else noticed? You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Taking paths, which he prearranged ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Living the good life. Amen. The Passion Translation says that we might fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. That's my destiny. That's your destiny, is to live a glorious life so that other people will be attracted by it and want to know the God who made it happen for you. Amen. Amen. I've won a lot of people to the Lord over the years that I didn't preach one word to, they just watched the way I live and wanted to know, how are you doing it? And then that's when the preaching began. Amen. I remember... Uh, coming back from Austin, Te- or San Antonio, Texas one time, and and I'm, I'm driving a new Corvette. And I stopped at a service station. And there were two young men. They were black gentlemen. And they were standing there uh, by the door of the service station. And when I pulled up, they walked out and they looked at that car. They said, Mr., how much did a car like this cost? I said, well, it, it's pretty expensive. Boy, oh, I bet it's fast. I said, yeah, it's fast. And that other man said to the guy that's asking all the questions, he said, that car's fast just standing still. They <laughs> <laughs> said, how are you able to get a car like that? I said, I'm a Christian. What? I said, I'm a Christian. I didn't tell them I was a preacher. I just said, I'm a Christian. Christians ought to be living a glorious
2: life.
1: You see, I've attracted two teenage boys just by the car that God blessed me with. I don't think they'd have spoken to me if I'd have pulled up in that 49 Ford, blowing oil, transmission leaking, windshield knocked out and the door's falling off. They wouldn't have said a word to me, probably laughed. We thought we poor, that boy poor, you know. <laughs> Glorious living is not just so your life will be better. It's God's way of using your life as an attraction, a billboard. Yeah. Amen? Amen? A billboard. All right now. Say this with me. I am destined, I am destined. to live the good life. I am destined to live the glorious life. I am destined to live life even better than what I'm living right now. I don't care how good your life is right now, God's always got a, another level. Amen. Years ago, and I was just a young preacher, and I was asked to come to California, and uh, Took Carolyn and my daughters with me. They were very young at the time. We had a Ford station wagon. We were driving all over the country and carried just about everything we owned in that station wagon. Got to uh, Torrance, California, preached there. And there was a man in the meeting that came up to me after the service. And he said, how long are you going to be in town? I said, well, we'll be here uh, in this area another day. And then we're leaving and going to another city in California to preach, all, all in Southern California, uh, the day after that. He said, uh, could you and your family have lunch with my family and, and myself? I said, yeah, we'd be happy to. He said, uh, I'll pick you up tomorrow at the hotel, asked me where I was staying. And he said, uh, my wife will come and pick up your wife and your daughters, and I'll come and pick you up just shortly after. So... We're standing out in front of the hotel and here come this beautiful big Mercedes and I recognized his wife. I said, Carolyn, I think that's his wife. And she stopped, got out of the car, said, Carolyn, would you and the girls get in the car with me? And she said, "Uh, Brother Jerry, my husband, would be right behind me. So they got in the car with her and they drove off. They're taking her to the restaurant. So I'm standing there. All of a sudden, this 1927 Silver Ghost Rolls Royce pulls up, and he's driving it. Are you ready to go, Brother Jerry? (laughs) Now, I'd heard about cars like that, but i have never seen one. (laughs) That car was worth a quarter of a million dollars, and this is 1972. That's what it was worth then. And he pulls up in it. Are you ready, Brother Jerry? I said, yes, sir. Tried to be just as sophisticated as I could, you know. (laughs) I got in the car, and we're driving down the freeway. And all the way down that freeway, before we got to uh, Newport Beach, where he lived. I own this building over here. I just bought that piece of property. I just finished building that 20-story building. And I bought this property right next to it. Looked like he owned everything on that freeway. And I'm believing God for money to get back home. And I'm riding around with this wealthy multimillionaire. Okay? So we get to the restaurant, and it's out on the ocean. I'm in a fancy place. Carol. I've never been in a place like this before. I couldn't even pronounce the menu. It had stuff on the menu I never even heard of before. And he said, his wife said, would you like for us to order we eat here often? Would you like for us to order for you? Oh, yes, that'd be fine. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't even pronounce the words, you know. And it was, I mean, I'd never eat food like that before in my life. Now, my daughters didn't like it. it. It was too too, too rich for them, you know. And so they would have rather had McDonald's. So we get in the car, and he says, can I take you to my office? I said, sure. We get all day. So we he took me to his office. Great big. I mean, it had to be 18, 19 stories high. His office was on the main level, and his office took up a whole floor. And when we walked up to his office, everything in his office had been imported from Italy. When, when he opened the doors to those, uh, those offices and said, come on in, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, I've never been around that kind of wealth and that uh, 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 affluent kind of living. And he sat there and and, uh, talked to us. He said, you know some things about prosperity that I don't know. I turned around to see who came in. (laughs) Nobody was in there. I said, you talking to me? He said, yeah. You, you live by God's system. You know some things I don't know. Teach me. I couldn't even remember my name when he said that, much less teach him. And, and so he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And, and I, I support Oral Roberts' ministry. I support Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And he said, but, but I don't know the things that you guys preach about God's system of finance. So we spent the day just talking about the word. And then we left. And uh, when I got back home, I said, "Lord, what was that all about? Why did why did you have me meet that man?" Now he did, he, he didn't he didn't ask me do you need anything? And I didn't tell him because I don't do things like that. You know, I'm in the wealthiest place I've ever been in in my life. And if I'd been like some religious preachers, is the Lord speaking to you about me? (laughs) No, I don't do that kind of thing. Didn't ask him for anything. But I asked the Lord, I said, why did you have me meet that man? Why did that take place that day? He said, son, I wanted to show you. No matter how well you live with what you found in my word, There's always another level. There's always another level. He said, you just saw a level that day that you didn't know existed, but there's always another level. Amen? How many of you are ready to go to another level? Look, that's me he's talking about. Amen? Well, with that in mind, it leads me to my closing and what the Lord said to me about 2023. I'm sure most of you already know because I'm sure Pastor John's already talked about it, maybe showed some of the teaching on it. But every year, as most of you know that are familiar with my ministry, the Lord gives me a prophetic word that I am to take everywhere I go and preach on that for the whole year, regardless of what nation I'm in. And I preach at every church I'm in, every convention I'm in. And the more I preach it, God just keeps adding revelation to it. And so coming into 2023, the Lord said to me, tell the people wherever you go in 2023 that it's time to go to the maximum, to the highest level attainable. It's time to go to the maximum, the highest level attainable. Amen. So to me, that sounds like a glorious way of living, the good life. In other words, don't get satisfied with where you are. Always be grateful for where God's brought you. Amen. Never cease to, to tell people that might ask that the reason I live this way is because of God I serve. But don't get satisfied with that being the ultimate. There's always another level. There's always another level. Hallelujah. Now I began preaching this back home. I always received that word in October because I set that time aside to specifically uh, receive what I'm to emphasize and focus on in that coming new year. So I began preaching in our church back home and then up until October of last year and right up to this present time, I've taught it everywhere I've been. And as I said, I keep getting more and more insight and seeing more principles that will take me there. Okay? That's what we want to focus on this week is we are going. I say we are going. We are going to the maximum. We are going to the highest level attainable. And the reason being, folks, Jesus is coming soon. And we can't get done what this generation of believers has been called to do staying at the same level we are. No matter how good it is. You may be living right now the most blessed life you've ever lived. Wonderful. Praise God for it. But there's another level and God wants you to go there. In fact, He'll take you there. Can you say amen? Lift your head and say, Heavenly Father, I receive that, and I'm ready to do whatever is required of me to reach the place called the maximum and the highest level attainable. And I'll do it for your glory. I'll do it for souls, because somebody's going to see the change in my life, and they're going to want to know how I'm doing it. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. It's 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 yes, God wants you to live a better life, but by living a better life, you become His billboard, His flashing light to the world. Amen. Can you say Amen? So that's that's what we're going to be dealing with the rest of this week in these services. Hallelujah! It's a great study. It's a great study. In fact. Uh, uh, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will, please. You received that tonight? Yes. Are you ready? Did we lay a good foundation? Yes. All right, praise God. We're going to build on that foundation. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I am ready for glorious living. Ready for glorious living the good life, the maximum, the maximum and the highest, the highest level attainable. Now tell somebody else, not you go there with me? Let's give the Lord a good shout of praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Join hands with somebody real quick before I turn the service back to the Pastor. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word declares if any two of us agree as touching anything here on the earth, it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. So we are setting ourselves in agreement with one another in this auditorium tonight. And your word says, once again, that you are in our midst to carry out that agreement. So right now we know that you are present in this auditorium. You're here to confirm your word with signs following. And you're here to see to it that our agreement is fulfilled. So what we're agreeing on is that we're all going this year to the maximum, and we're all going this year to the highest level attainable in Jesus' name, and we believe you're going to see to it that that's carried out in its voice. Give the Lord another shout of praise.
0: Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. I want to let uh, release Brother Jerry and everybody f- for him to just go to the back in the meantime, and then I'll just release you. I want to just say that while Brother Jerry was ministering, I felt this in my spirit that God is shattering the ceiling. He is, these messages this weekend is going to shatter the ceiling. He's just shattering the ceiling. He's just demolishing the ceiling. I I, I kind of got a, a sense about this that many of us can see with the eyes of the word where we're supposed to go. But it's like as you're going there, you bump into like shatterproof glass, you know, but it's like you bump into it and you can see, but you keep bumping into something that keeps holding you back. And uh, and I just sense in my heart that Brother Jerry's word that he's bringing us is shattering that glass. It's supposed to be shatterproof by the world system, but the word is shattering it, and it's creating a free space for us to walk into. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, praise Jesus, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, Hallelujah. I want to say, you know, that uh, I've seen Brother Jerry do this a couple of times when the enemy has come against him and tried to bring something against his life. He's taken the fight to the enemy like he did tonight, and he, he made a determined purpose that he would lay hands on the sick and healing would come. And I want to tell you that if he laid hands on you tonight and the symptoms come back, you tell those symptoms they were put away from your body tonight tonight and when the symptoms feel like oh you're still sick and say no 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 you stay away from me i was healed i was healed in jesus name i was healed glory to god i I just know this week god's going to do something amazing through this weekend Come on, This today we already started to talk about the glory. When Brother Jerry was in the air, we were talking about the glory. He's just talking about a glorious life. Hallelujah. He's already orchestrating the weekend. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So I pray that you are safe and protected as you leave and you go home and you're blessed as you go out and you're blessed coming in and you have peace and joy by the Holy Spirit. And the house and the blessing of God restores everything in your life. And when you come back tomorrow morning, you're ready, fresh, strong to receive the Word of God in Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? You say amen? Thank you for coming. God bless you.